It's the bottom line. On News Radio 610, KONA, from the Tri Cities to Olivia to DC, we break down. Break it all down. The stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. With your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. Welcome back to the Bottom Line News Radio 610 K1A, hour number two on this Tuesday afternoon. Rob and Ed hanging with you and our candidate forum today will focus again on the 8th Legislative District. However, the other seat that is up uh, and the candidates vying for your vote, the incumbent, Representative Brad Clipper, will join us at 430. Uh, right now joining us is his challenger, Ms. Shira Gev. Good afternoon to you, Ms. Regev. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. And we'd like to give you a couple minutes for your opening statement. All right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate that KONA and that the bottom line provide an opportunity to educate voters. So you get to actually hear our voices, especially during COVID times where it's just like a picture in a voter pamphlet. Uh, I'll be very brief so we can get to more questions. My name is Shira Gev. Um, I am the Democrat in the race. I was Born in Sunnyside, like Representative Clippert. Um, I grew up in the Tri-Cities. I graduated from Kamaika, and I went to WSU. After I graduated from WSU, I've devoted 40% of my adult life in service to our nation, both in the United States Peace Corps and in the United States Navy. Um, the reason why I'm running, and I think the most fundamental difference between myself and Representative Clippert, is that I was born in Washington. I love Washington State. I believe in Washington State. I want us to remain in Washington State. For the last 12 years, Mr. Clippert has made it part of his brand to talk about separating from the rest of, of Washington and forming the state of liberty. And I think that if people in our community feel like they've been ignored in Olympia. I mean, you have to look at the representation that we send over. If you want to be taken seriously, you need to send over a Washington state representative to serve in the Washington state legislature. I mean, to me, it seems like common sense. Um, all right. I, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll uh, start off with the first question. Um, we all know that the impacts of uh, COVID have had throughout Washington state and elected officials have been facing tough decisions based on revenue shortfalls. How difficult would it be to address the current shortfalls in this coming session, uh, which would also uh, be on the, uh, on the agenda to have a new biennial budget if you are elected? Um. extremely difficult right there's no there's no good answer because there is a shortfall but by that same token like you can't squeeze blood out of a stone like if people are hurting financially because of covid then people are hurting financially which means we have to anticipate continued shortfalls right because the state gets his money from tax revenue. So if, if people aren't earning and people aren't spending, then the shortfall that we have right now isn't something that's just going to turn around and solve itself. Um, I think we're going to have to look at cuts to the budget. And my metric for the cuts is how many people will it impact and how badly will it impact the people? So go for cuts that are going to impact the fewest amount of people in the least impactful way possible. Um, and then we'll just have to see, like, as as things start to return to whatever the new normal looks like, 
how we'll be able to get some money back. But by that same token, I mean, the state has a rainy day fund. And I believe if ever there was a rainy day, this is it. It's time to start spending money. I believe very strongly in investing in our infrastructure um, and talking about getting shovel-ready jobs if there's proposals, um, get people to work, um, especially projects where we can hire our union brothers and sisters as apprentices and create um, jobs that teach um, young adults working skills that will give them employment well into their adult lives because when people are working, people are spending. So that's going to help our economy. But also, our infrastructure has been falling apart for decades. So if we want to attract more businesses to our region, especially manufacturing, people need to know that they're going to be able to move their products safely to market. And part of that is having safe roads. And also, our trains are severely neglected. Like in the last year, we've had two pretty significant derailments just within our district. So I say, let's use the rainy day funds. Let's get those shovel-ready jobs um, funded and create work for our citizens. Okay, Ms. Rugev, our next question. What do you feel is the biggest issue facing your legislative district that is non-COVID related, and how will you advocate solving that issue in the legislature? Even before COVID, like when I ran two years ago, um, I said that we have a affordable housing crisis. We've got over 50% of constituents in our district that have to spend so much money on either their rent or their mortgage payment that they are not able to successfully set money aside for their own personal rainy days. So we're talking about a large portion of the people who live here that are either one or two missed paychecks or one or two unexpected bills away from not paying the rent or defaulting on bills, declaring bankruptcy. And so one of the things that I advocated for then, which I still advocate for, is um, finding ways to make it enticing for developers to commit to building higher-density mixed-income housing developments and use infill. I mean, there's been so much emphasis on sprawl, and people talk about the Growth Management Act and our boundaries – But we have pockets within the district that we can develop and start building up. And it's also another opportunity to hire people from the union halls and also get apprentices working. So that's a big one. I think when we get the the cost of housing down and more people have stability with housing than than other facets of, of their lives, like quality of life, fall into place. Next question. The governor's emergency powers have been a point of contention in many areas of the state. State legislature has been left out of the COVID decision-making process. How much input should the legislative bodies have in a declared state of emergency? And are there areas it should specifically be focused on? I believe that um, elected officials have continued to have um, the governor's ear. I think even though Olympia has not been in session since um, the state of emergency was declared, I I see that people are still having committee meetings or still advisory meetings. The conversations still happen. Um, and then I think... If people want to talk about how much, say, 
the the House of Representatives and state Senate has as opposed to governor, then, you know, we need to revisit the Constitution of the state of Washington. Like the government, the governor has the authority to declare a state of emergency. Um, I, I know, I know this audience and I know this, I know the district and a lot of what Governor Inslee has done has not been popular. I understand that. But we were the first outbreak in the United States, the nursing home in Kirkland. We were the first outbreak, and yet we have one of the lowest death rates because of the swift and decisive actions that Governor Inslee took. So I am not going to fault him because this is something that is, is new to everybody, right? Like, this is something we've never gone through before. So I, I'm not going to armchair quarterback what Governor Inslee has done. As a follow-up, um, the, the, or the the initiative that was on, or I shouldn't say it was an initiative, it was a Senate bill uh, that was on, and it was 2019, I believe it was, that granted the governor the emergency powers he currently has that took a check mark off from the legislature, from the legislature, and the legislature then mm-hmm. went through and passed that. Washington is one of the few states in the nation that do have an unchecked emergency power resolution that provides the governor basically infinite time to be able to control a situation. Do you feel that that is appropriate, or do you feel that the legislature should have a point in time to where they are working in concert with the executive branch to oversee certain things like budgetary decisions and so on and so forth to where that there is not what we currently are going through where it's when the governor decides it's over, it's over. I do think that there needs to be a timeline. You know, we can't be in a state of emergency for forever. I I agree with that. Um, So when this issue is revisited, because I'm sure it's going to be revisited, I think that we'll need to sit down and figure out, okay, um, you have the authority to declare a state of emergency, but we'll have a set of metrics. And if any any criteria within the set of metrics is met, then we go back into session and we work together. On the west side of the state, there is concern that an increasingly difficult business environment has been created and that Boeing had asked the legislature to revoke its special tax rate and their issues with the World Trade Organization. The Boeing decision is going to cost the state revenue as they move to production to South Carolina. What do you feel is the best path forward to creating a better business environment on both sides of the state? Well, I kind of alluded to it in the answer to the first question. For Eastern Washington, I think we need to do a lot of work improving our infrastructure because if we want to attract major manufacturers to our region, then those manufacturers need to have the peace of mind that they're going to be able to safely move product to market. And like I said, having two pretty significant derailments in the space of less than a year does not inspire confidence. It doesn't. And our roads are crumbling. That doesn't inspire confidence. Also, it's not helpful to the people that live in the district. Like if you're commuting back and forth to Hanford and you're on 240 at the wrong time, when one of the trains is going to preferred freezer services, you're stuck there for a half hour waiting because the train can only go so fast. So then nobody's happy. Manufacturers aren't happy and citizens aren't happy. 
So that's Eastern Washington. Um, I think the the moving of Boeing's manufacturing to the Carolinas has been a rallying cry this election season. But you alluded to the fact that Boeing originally asked to have the tax break removed to make them more competitive against Airbus in the global market, you know, and we don't talk about that. So Boeing moving its manufacturing has nothing to do with that tax break because Boeing asked for the tax break to be lifted to make them more competitive. So you need to actually like look at the whole picture. Washington already has one of the best business climates um, in the United States. It was rated by U.S. News and World Report as the best state to be doing business. So I think that's kind of a red herring to talk about Boeing moving. They just they used that as an excuse and it became a sound bite, but it's not the complete picture. Next question. Um, most assuredly, an income tax will come before the legislature in this coming session. COVID-19, we've talked about the loss of revenue uh, as well. Will you support an income tax for Washington State, or if not, are there any conditions that would need to be met to get your support? This is an easy question, because <laughs> I don't support the state income tax. I 100% do not support the state income tax. So that's me sheer saying I don't support it. Um, I have forged some working relationships with legislators that are in Olympia, also Democrats, and I can tell you there is no appetite for any type of a tax increase right now. And that goes back to the original question from earlier where I said you can't squeeze blood out of stone. You know, if people are struggling financially, then trying to extract taxes from from families that don't have it to give right now is not the solution. So right now, absolutely no income tax. I I. I hate state income tax. I hate, I do. <laughs> so uh, there's no condition that would ever make me comfortable with introducing a state income tax. Okay. Our next question for Ms. Regev. <clears throat> Washington State, very proud of leading the nation on the mail-in voting front. Recently, a story came out that a number of ballots were discovered in Snohomish County in garbage bags, and an investigation is ongoing to determine how they got there. Theft is not something the government can control. But taking into account that that can happen, what can be done to further strengthen our election security as each cycle becomes more and more heated and deemed more and more important? I was unaware of the incident in Snohomish County, but I mean, I have heard of other incidents throughout the nation. Um, the most recent one being that in Southern California, somebody lit a fire inside a ballot drop box. So I'm comfortable with mail-in voting, Having said that, I don't use the mail. As soon as I have my ballot filled out, I take it to the nearest Dropbox. Um, Benton County is pretty good about publicizing locations of the Dropboxes. One of the things I appreciate is that they do have an in-person voting center. So if you're not comfortable using the mail and you're not comfortable using your ballot, or your ballot box, I should say, um, I appreciate that you have the option of going to the old Chuck E. Cheese and voting in person. So um, because there is so much scrutiny right now about mail-in voting, I would say um, for, for people that are uncomfortable, you have the option to vote in person. And maybe going forward, it's something that 
the Secretary of State's office should look at is um, giving people more opportunities to vote in person. I'm old enough that I remember voting in person, and I actually kind of miss the ceremony behind it. So who knows? Maybe in, in 2022, I'll be like, I want to go vote in person this year. <laughs> Just because to me, I'm like, I'm, I'm nerdy enough. It's fun. <laughs> Along that same vein, much has been made about possibly even moving voting to an online uh, platform or even a mobile platform to increase the accessibility. Do you believe that this would increase or compromise election security, or would it have a positive effect on accessibility and turnout? Um, I think that it would have a positive effect on turnout especially um, for millennials and Gen Z, but I don't trust it. I, I think there are too many issues surrounding security of not just voting, you know, like all of the hacks, right, for banking, if you've gone shopping, I mean, everything. So I don't generally trust the Internet for a lot of things, so I certainly don't want to do, like, online voting if, I, if I'm not even comfortable banking for my phone, why would I risk democracy for me? I wouldn't. It makes no sense to me. Those are all the questions that we have for you, Ms. Regev. If you'd like to take a few minutes to deliver your closing statement. Um, I just want to say that this is like a very consequential election. And I know that... Um, the the listenership of KONA is pretty conservative, right? But I want to tell you that even though I am a Democrat, um, all I care about is making things better for the people who live in the 8th LD. Um, if elected, I am going to work hard from day one to represent all of you, to represent you well, to represent you fairly, and to make sure that the 8th LD gets the tools and the resources that we need to succeed and to make sure that we are taken seriously in Olympia. Like I said, I was born here. I grew up here. I love this community. I am a Tricidian by choice. You know, after graduating from WSU and being in the Peace Corps and being in the Navy, I was gone for a total of about 15 years. And this is where I chose to come back to because this is home. And I know that Together, we will make this place be the best community it possibly can because we're just we're stronger together and together we're Washington. So please vote for me, Shira Gev, return your ballot by November 3rd. If you don't feel comfortable mailing your ballot or putting your ballot in a ballot drop box, again, the old Chuck E. Cheese, you can still go vote in person. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening today. And if people want more information about you or your campaign, where should they go? They can go to um, my website, which is at the table with com. If that's too much to remember, you can go to sheerregev.com. Um, there's a link or not a link, but there's information how to get there in the voter pamphlet. And yeah. All right. We'll take a quick time out and we'll come back. We'll continue our candidate forum with the incumbent, Representative Brad Clippert, as we focus on the second position in the 8th Legislative District. Yesterday we focused on, uh, we had Representative Matt Benke. Today, 
Shira Gev and the incumbent Brad Klepper to speak in both positions in the 8th Legislative District. Uh, then tomorrow, we have the 9th Legislative District and Representative Mary Dye. The bottom line, the only place that cares what you think. Call in now. 509-547-1610. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser. Back in the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Candidate forums continue this Tuesday afternoon, focusing on the 8th Legislative District. Joining us now is the incumbent, Representative Brad Clippert. Representative Clippert, thank you for joining us this afternoon. We do appreciate your time. And uh, if you'd like to take a minute to uh, make an opening statement, we certainly um, give you the time to do so. Or if you'd like, we can just dive right into questions. It's up to you, sir. It's totally up to you, too. And I thank you, gentlemen, very much for inviting me into your studio today. And thanks to everyone who's listening to 610 AM KONA. The bottom line, I mean, I remember... Well, every day when I'm at work, I listen to you guys. I listen to this show. So I'm honored by all those who are listening with us today. So I just want to say that I am extremely proud to be an American. Um, Having served over 30 years now in military uniform and over 27 years as a a law enforcement officer, and now, you know, the years in the legislature, um, I see people bashing America. And it crushes me. I see people kneeling during the national anthem, and I, I don't understand. And so for all the veterans out there, for all the uh, first responders, all my fellow law enforcement officers, uh, for all the hardworking Washingtonians out there, thank you for all that you do. Uh, we love you and we appreciate you. And for those who are unemployed because of this COVID-19 stuff we're going through, um, just know that there are legislators out there like myself who are doing everything we can to get you back to work because we know you've got dreams that you want to make true, and you can do that when, we're, when we allow you to get back to work. So we're working to make that happen. Love you and appreciate you. And that's where we're going to start, Representative Clippard, with COVID-19. We all know the impact has had, uh, that COVID has had throughout our state. Elected officials have been facing tough decisions based on revenue shortfalls in all areas of the state, cities, counties. How difficult will it be to address the current shortfalls in the coming legislative session, which will also have to deal with crafting a new biennial budget? You know, believe it or not, I've been asked this question a few times in the last few weeks. And here's, here's my response. I'll give the same response to you that I've given to other media outlets I believe in the American people. I believe in hardworking Washingtonians. They want to get back to work. I believe in our small businesses and our large businesses. They want to get back to work. And if we will just get government out of the way and allow them to do the jobs they do, allow their businesses to do what they're uh, able to do, allow them to grow and prosper, we will watch this budget deficit disappear faster than you can ever believe. I'm telling you, with President Donald Trump as our president and Lauren Culp as our governor, we are going to grow and prosper like never before, and you will see that deficit disappear. The reason why we ask that, Representative Clipper, particularly in this regard, is the last couple of budgetary cycles have been difficult. Uh, they, they, have, they have definitely been challenging um, uh, with both sides trying to um, advocate for who they represent. Knowing that we've got this coming up and knowing that you, again, are going to have probably what will be another session, do you expect, and let me ask it to you in this regard, 
do you think that this will time out properly, or do you see this potentially being a longer session because of the revenue shortfall and the new budget having to be created? You know, they just yesterday there was a practice session I was involved in actually talking about the budget uh, to uh, local uh, constituents um, concerning the developmentally disabled, making sure that they have the budget they need uh, for their lives because they're many of our uh, most needy um, people. And I don't think it's going to go long. It's, they still haven't decided if we're going to do in-person or, or, or not in-person, if we're going to do remote or distant or whatever. Um, the, I know that the Republicans in the House Republican Caucus were fighting for an in-person legislative session so that you, the citizens of Washington, can come and face your legislators face-to-face in the hearing rooms so your voice can be heard. So we don't want to see a distant or a... A Zoom legislative session. We want to be there in person so you, the citizens of Washington State, can come and look us in the eye and make things right for you. Next question. Um, at some point, we will get past the COVID situation. What do you feel is the biggest non-COVID issue facing the legislate, uh, the le- your legislative district, I should say, and how will you advocate for solving that issue? You know, I don't know if it's just a a legislative district issue, um, because I am asked by people in my legislative district concerning this topic, but also all around the state, and that is defunding the police. Are you kidding me? I mean, I've been a police officer for over 27 years now on the east and the west side of the state of Washington. My brother and sister law enforcement officers all over this state are putting their lives on the line on a daily basis. They are doing, by and large, a phenomenal job. Are there bad apples in, in that barrel? There's bad apples in every barrel. There's, there's bad preachers. There's bad teachers. There's bad bankers. You, you name it. In whatever group of profession there is, there's some people who aren't perfect. And I'm one of the least perfect people in this world. But my fellow brother and sister law enforcement officers are doing a great job. And I'm going to do everything I can to protect law and order in Washington state. So this whole idea of defunding the police, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it stops with me. Representative Clipper, the governor's emergency powers have become a point of contention in many areas of the state. The state legislature has been left out of the COVID decision-making process in a large part. How much input should the legislature have in a declared state of emergency? And are there areas the legislature should specifically be focused if it does have input? Well, what does our Constitution say? That's where I go. I mean, I go to this flipping Constitution. Both the U.S. and the state Constitution says there's three branches of government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial branch. And right now, well, actually, for the last, what, seven months, Governor Inslee's been doing it all on his own. We've asked on multiple occasions, please call a special session. Include your legislature as a part of the judicial process, not judicial process, the legislative process for this. If, if you're so right, why would you be afraid of calling a special session? Allow your constitution to work as it's supposed to so there's checks and balances in the system. We are not a monarchy. We're a constitutional republic. So the legislature should be involved. All three branches of the government, legislative, executive, and judicial branches, that's not happening. And um, legislation has already been drafted by myself and my fellow legislator from the 19th who lives in Aberdeen. He's got a bill out there that will limit the governor's power, whoever the governor is, 
to 14 days without legislative approval. My bill that's prepared and ready to be dropped limits the governor's power to 30 days without legislative approval. So we're doing everything we can. We're going to be ready to make sure this never happens again so the Constitution is honored and all three branches of your government are active all the time. Next question. The uh, Seattle area in particular has created an increasingly difficult business environment. Boeing recently uh, made their decision about moving uh, part of their production line out of the state. Uh, Boeing had to ask the legislature to revoke its special tax rate and end their issues with the uh, World Trade Organization. Now, with the the Boeing's current uh, decision, it's going to cost revenue. What do you feel is the best path forward in creating a better business environment statewide? Well, for one thing, treat Boeing with respect. I listened to the governor's response after Boeing made their announcement on whether they're going to stay or move to to South Carolina, and that was not a respectable narrative that I heard from him. I, I was in the House Republican Caucus, um, the leader's office, when the Boeing administration, or they came to uh, us and talked to us back when Christine Gregoire was the, was the governor. There was talk of moving at that time, and we said, we will work with you. Give us a chance to work with you to keep Boeing, and especially all those jobs here in Washington State. And the response to us was, we'll go across the rotunda, and we'll talk to the governor, and we'll let you know how it turns out. Two hours later, they came back, and they said, see ya. And that's what's happened again. And I'm just telling you, if you would treat that corporation with respect, I I have no doubt in my mind that we could convince them that the best place for them to to have those jobs and build those airplanes is right here in Washington State. But I don't see that happening, and that needs to change. Okay, our next question, Representative Clipper. There's no question that an income tax will come before the legislature in this coming session. COVID-19 and the loss of revenue as a result of COVID-19 as an excuse. Would you support an income tax for Washington State? Would there be any conditions where you would support an income tax in Washington State? Well, first of all, let's let's, let's address the question, and then then I'm going to answer the question. You said uh, the budget shortfall or decrease in revenue because of COVID-19. You can put it that way. Personally, I think it's the governor's response to COVID-19 that has caused a decrease in revenue, not just COVID-19 itself. COVID has not done this. It's the, it's the governmental response, the governor's response, acting, acting all by himself, that has caused the decrease in revenue. And absolutely, positively, no, I would not support a state income tax, because here's what's going to happen. Your politicians or your elected officials in Olympia are going to promise you, oh, 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 if you just allow us to do this, this income tax thing, then your sales tax will go away. But we're going to have to keep the sales tax around for a while until we get this all worked out. And then the next legislator says, well, we need a little bit more time to get this, this worked out. We need to keep that sales tax around while you have the state income tax. And on and on it'll go. And the promises will not be kept. So, no, there are not conditions under which I would vote for a state income tax. Next question, Washington State, very proud of leading the nation in mail-in voting, Uh, yet recently a number of ballots were discovered in Snohomish County in garbage bags, and an investigation into that is ongoing. Taking into account theft of ballots can occur, 
what can be done to further strengthen the election security in this state as each cycle becomes more and more heated? Well, one of the things that uh, we uh, an idea that was brought to me by a very intelligent uh, person was that um, in, in another state, they actually have what's called like a watermark, like you'll see on your, your currency. So you'll see a, somebody at the cash register or maybe at the bank, they'll hold a, a piece of currency up to the light so they can see that watermark on there. So we were, we have actually, I, it was the idea that someone else brought to me have had that piece of legislation drafted that there would be a mar- watermark on a ballot so people couldn't print out a bunch of ballots, fictitious ballots, and uh, and stuff them into the ballot boxes. So that's one of the things we're doing. And I'm talking with uh, attorneys over there and fellow legislators to do everything that we can, everything that we can to make sure that our elections stay truthful and honest. Because the year that Dino Rossi was elected by, as my governor, and then they did a recount, and Dino Rossi was one more time elected as my governor, and then they took the objectivity out and they put it in the hands of people and made it subjective. And then Christine Gregoire was my governor. Uh-uh. Line drawn in the sand right then and there. We got to get this fixed. And Representative Clippert, our final question for you. Much has been made about moving voting to an online, even mobile platforms to increase accessibility. Do you believe that this would increase or compromise election security? And would you support a move to online or mobile voting? So, earlier today I was at the sheriff's office uh, doing that job. Um, I'm here with you uh, as uh, running for re-election as a, a representative for the state of Washington. Tonight I'll be on a staff call as the commander of the Washington State Guard. One of my staffers is a security officer for Microsoft. This guy is brilliant. And even if I understand him correctly, he does not think it's time for online voting, that it can't be made secure enough. So if that expert doesn't think it can be made secure enough at this time, neither do I. If I had my way, we'd go back to Brad Clippert, go into the school, showing his identification, uh, writing down his signature, and then he would go behind the curtain and he would vote, and then he'd uh, pull that lever back, and his voting would be over, and just like everyone else. that I loved that way of voting, and I would love to see that way of voting return. A follow-up question uh, to that. Is there is there another scenario where we can balance the uh, the accessibility issue and and getting more people uh, the ability to vote that may not be able to fit it into a nine to five window, so to speak, like we had in the past in the polling places, but not be fully mail in either? Is there is there some kind of way that we can kind of have the best of both worlds? I would work with anyone. I would talk with anyone to make that best of both worlds happen because that you're, you're right. I mean, there are some of my shifts start at six o'clock in the morning, don't get over till six o'clock at night. And if I have to do overtime because I've got myself into a situation I can't get out of as a law enforcement officer, then I may not be able to vote. So absolutely, we need to make exceptions, but we need to make sure that those exceptions are very, very, very secure so that we, when we have someone elected to office, it's been done honestly and with integrity, and it's been done in a secure manner. So absolutely love to work with anyone to get any of these problems resolved. One of the things that has been discussed is how some of the other countries uh, around the world do it, where they do the in-person you know, voting at the, at the ballot stations, 
but they do it over a course of a few days or even a week. Is that an option? I don't personally, I don't see a problem with that as long as it's secure. Like I said, Brad Clippert used to go in, he would present his ID to the person. They would look at my ID, look at my face. I would sign my name. Then I'd go vote and then I'd come out and, you know, it was secure and we knew who Brad was and no one voted for Brad, just Brad voted. So, you know, if it's got to go over a few days, I, like I said, I'm open to options, but it's just got to be secure so that it's, uh, the integrity is, is maintained and the, and the right person gets elected that the people actually elected to office. Representative Clippert, any final thoughts you'd like to share in a closing statement with our listeners? You know, it's been said over and over again by many, many people. Uh, these are unprecedented times. Um, if you're listening today, and because I've heard this said, why should I vote? My vote doesn't count. Um, well, yes, it does. Um, did you know that less than 10% of our state's population lives in Seattle? I keep hearing people say, why should I vote? My vote doesn't count. Seattle's going to decide what happens. They always decide what happens in every election. That's just not true. So if you, each and every one of you, will simply take your ballot ballot and fill it out intelligently, and I encourage you to drop it off. You know, don't let the mail system uh, be questionable in this. That's what I do. I go to the ballot box and I drop mine off. And uh, I encourage you to do the same, but just vote. And, and just, you know, and I just, there's truth out there. You know, I got a, a stack of COVID numbers in front of me that, you know, that, that I got from Olympia. And I get those all the time that, that, that are truthful numbers. So I just encourage you, don't let the, the narrative that you hear out there drive you. Find out the truth and make sure that you vote because your vote does count. And we need each and every person in eastern Washington to vote this year so that your principles, your values, and your beliefs are, are held uh, on into uh, this nation's history because uh, we, have, we live in the greatest country in the land and it needs to be preserved. And hundreds of thousands of men and women have fought for the freedoms that you and I enjoy. So just encourage you to vote. And if anyone would like more information on you, your campaign, your platform, where can they go, sir? Yeah. Um, other people take care of that stuff for me. <laughs> I think it's bragclipper.org. And uh, feel free to contact me in any way, shape, or form. If you have questions, I'd be more than willing to answer those questions. There is a website out there. And I'm not the most tech techie person there is in the world, but I love, I love talking to people. That's the way I like working. So, I mean... I'll get together with you for a face-to-face or a telephone conversation, whatever it takes to answer your questions so that you know the truth. Because to me, that's the number one thing, the most important thing for any elected official and in this election is that the truth be maintained. Representative Brad Clippert running for re-election in the 8th Legislative District. I'll take care of our candidate forum for today. Back to wrap things up here on the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. After this. And get in by phone. Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610KONA.com. Back to the bottom line with Rob and Ed. Presented by Summit Funding in Kennewick and Prosser on News Radio 610 KONA. Bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA. Thanks to CBD American Shaman across from the Great Elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick. Stand behind their 100% all-natural CBD products, 100%. 
30-day money-back guarantee, full money-back guarantee on any product sold by CBD American Shaman. They are with their products from the seed when it's planted all the way to the shelf where it is stocked. Make sure you stop by, talk to them about all the different CBD products they have, what can work for you. The knowledgeable experts there will not only find a product that will work for what is what is ailing you, but also talk to you about that 100% money-back guarantee as well. CBD American Shaman across from the Grand Elevator on Clearwater in Kennewick. Thanks again to Shira Gev, Representative Brad Clipper, for taking part in today's candidate forum. Focusing on the 8th Legislative District tomorrow, uh, Representative Mary Dye will join us. Uh, her opponent unable to join us uh, for the forum tomorrow uh, as he resides in Pullman and unable to make the trip down for the forum tomorrow. So we will have Representative Mary Dye uh, with us to talk about the 9th Legislative District tomorrow. And then um, yeah, we'll continue our forums through the rest of this week and into part of next week. A little bit into next week, too. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, geez, uh, two weeks from today, the election. Yeah. We've been talking about it for forever, but now we're we're into the final two weeks. We will see what happens. We will see what happens. So it'll be very interesting to see um, how things play out the next two weeks. Of course, we'll cover it for you right here on News Radio 16K1A. Live election night coverage here, uh, brought to you in part by the Franklin County Democratic Central Committee. We're going to have a long night next to or two Tuesdays from now. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? We may or may not be able to announce uh, who the next president of the United States is or any of the other state and local races. Could go right down to the wire, too. You never know. That's all for the bottom line. All the day's news, weather forecast, and more in the afternoon report next.